0: Welcome back to another episode of Music with Matt. Um, This is the podcast where we explore music and how it intersects with people's lives in, in various ways. We've had all kinds of um, really uh, informative guests on at this point, right? We've had um, some sociologists, we've had uh, some um, recording engineers, and today we have uh, somebody who's got their hands and feet and all parts of their body in several aspects <laughs> of, this, uh, of this industry. Um, Rod, do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Cool. Um, yeah, my name is Rodrigo Fernandez Stoll. I, have actually been, uh, uh, best buds with Baker for, I want to say 30 years. Probably. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm a actor, comedian, uh, singer, um, in the Canadian scene. Uh, I, I do a lot of, um, uh, musical comedy, I have some albums out called Fog and Lasers which are a collaboration between musicians and comedians. Um they were like kind of it started out as as kind of a pro, uh just like a an assignment where we were like can we make a can we make a song that sounds like a real song but is just the most ridiculous thing ever which <laughs> is how we came up with the song Whip Your Dick and Tits Out. Right? <laughs> and then uh, Was that the first one? That was the very first one, right. and then we made that song. And then it just turned into a bunch of musician friends were like, do you want to do a song together? And like, it just turned into this thing where I was like, what if one musician comes over the studio? We sit down for 15 minutes and talk about our day and then try to come up with a song from that. Mm. And uh, Interesting. it worked. That was the, That's how we made the first album. And then the second album was just a bunch of it was more, I, the second album was like a pandemic album that we were right. like, let's just make another album. Cause
2: everyone's at home. So, right. That's interesting. And I was really curious to know actually before meeting up with you today, I was just kind of chuckling to myself. Cause I'm like, I know your music very well. Um, Cause you've played in the shows. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I had the, uh, the fun opportunity obviously of playing in the fog and lasers bands, uh, for the shows that have happened. And, uh, so obviously listen to those those records like a bunch. But yeah, before today I was kind of like that's so funny. I've never really actually thought about what the creative process would look like for you because um, one thing that I'll say is I mean like first off, you're you're an incredible musician. You have an amazing voice. And I think Thanks. that um, I think it's it's such a beautiful marriage of your ability to act and perform but then also use your musical talent. Um but another thing that I, I like I was thinking about too is how with each of these songs you do such a good job like it sounds like you do a really good job of kind of capturing the essence of whatever it is that you you're focusing on and then you channel that into the song but I would say also you do such a good job of working within different genres like a lot of the fog and lasers music it's not all the same like you've got rock yeah. songs you've got like hip-hop songs you've got Sort of slow grooving R and B stuff. You've got like techno dancey stuff, you know. Yeah, I mean that's that's usually on purpose because we try
1: to. Um, I would say my my writing partner Chris Rennick, uh, we work a lot together, so we try to, we'll try to sit there and when writing something, either I'll come up with a vocal melody or or something where I'm like, oh, I have this idea for a song. Do you have any? music that could go with it or the other way around where chris will send me instrumentals that he's done and go i have this weird you know i have this weird acoustic track or i have this weird dance track uh do you have anything for it and just by chance it'll happen where you know i'll be walking around i'll be in my car something will come up and then i'll go home go through whatever options he sends me and then i'll just kind of jam on whatever okay. and it works out like that so we kind of have this back and forth that's usually how it goes um if not i taught i i also make stuff with gavin who you interviewed on the podcast yeah, yeah and gavin is is different because um gavin will just be like come by the studio let's sit down and just and just make something and see out what happens, of nothing, yeah. right? And it's really fun to do it like that. It does take more time. I do really enjoy being at home because I have my mic at home, and I do enjoy sitting there and just going through stuff on my own in the beginning, right. because it helps me structure the song. I can like cut things up and kind of make whatever it is that I want to make uh, in the session. And then I send that to Chris and then he will mix it and like kind of add whatever to it. And then we, uh, we send that to all a bunch of different musicians and we say, is there anything you want to add? Right. Uh, and they kind of add, you know, usually it's like they'll add something and it's, you know, it makes a song completely different from what we thought it was going to be. And I, I, that, that's kind of what the process was for the last like few years um, it's, it's really, really, it is very interesting too, because now at least we have a community where I know what someone can give to, to something. Right. So I'll say like, um, there's, uh, there's the, the uh, amazing flute player, Anne Fung. Right. She's, am- she's incredible. And, uh, I messaged her one day about a rap song that we were doing called So Wretch and I didn't, we didn't even think about it. We were like, and I, I like, we, we, we had the song over and over. We recorded it. We thought it was done. And I said, what if it has had some sort of like, what if it had flute? And then I sent it to Anne and she added these, she riffed on it. She just kind of right. like riffed and recorded a bunch and sent it to me. And then I sat there one morning for like two hours and just went through every single little piece that she did. And I kind of placed them in different spots and it worked out. It just sounded like this really cool, you know, like a real song. And when I say real song, I mean something that you would listen to and not consider it like comedy right away. Right. Right.
2: And Which that's actually is, a great yeah. distinction to make because I know that Wes and I have talked about this before where, and maybe it's because we're musicians or something like that, but it's like, <clears throat> excuse me, it's, I will say, I'll speak for myself, like personally a little less enjoyable if you see, or rather something I don't really enjoy when you see a stand up comedian that maybe grabs like an acoustic guitar and just drums a couple chords and makes sort of like a joke song. And I think that that's, that's the difference. Like you said, where you're like, no, these songs are, you know, quote unquote, real songs. Like, yeah. you know, and then they just happen to have
0: just ridiculous yeah. and <laughs> hilarious, hilarious uh, lyrical content, you know. But that's the point, right? Like the the music, if you, if you took the lyrics off, like the music stands up. Yeah. Right. And I love what you just said there, too, with that collaborative piece. Because when I think of Fog and Lasers, I've seen the show a number of times um and most recently just a few months ago it was amazing but what like my favorite part about it was was just the amount of people on stage right. and the amount of like collaboration that transpired like obviously mm-hmm. you're you're front and center and and sort of spearheading the show but there's like i mean how many musicians did you have on stage yeah, yeah how many backup singers right and then even yeah. even like the the comedy scene like the Toronto comedy scene yeah. like there was a bunch of members of that coming to pitch out for different sort of Mm -hmm. uh sort of songs there so
2: yeah and and that's what and i i feel like that just sort of the whole fog and lasers thing again it, it sort of typifies some like a big part of i think how i perceive you as a performer where again it's like this amazing intersection where so you're on stage you're performing you're being like theatrical and you're and you're acting in these various like different characters but then yeah just as wes said you know you're also able to incorporate this amazing collaboration, not only with like actors and comedians that you're friends with, but now also musicians as well. It's like this awesome, you know, melting pot of all these different folks that come together, you know? Yeah, that's what Fog and Lasers is,
1: is just the community. Um, Because when I first started in comedy, it's so hard to break into something. Right. um, When the entire, for me, the entire point is just to, create with other people and like i i mean i've i've tried to get into i do i do stand up but Mm -hmm. that's not like my main thing right like tonight i'm going to do a stand-up show but it's more of a performance based thing which it took me a long time to realize like that was more of my route where i wanted to go but With sketch and film and music, I just find it's so much better to create with a group of people. Right. Like when you're working on a film set, it's just, there's no, so like you're not, there's no way one person can do everything. You're literally sitting in a group of people where everything, every, every single person's job matters. So when it comes to something like fog and lasers, I'm just like yeah, like it's, it's a team. Let's do this. It's mm-hmm. let's all, all create, let's make a community. And I think that also comes from watching, uh, like I said, when I first started all the people that I looked up to when it came to performing and comedy, uh, like Dwayne Gretzky, who is a lot of the collaborators on yeah. the, on the album and in the show, uh, like Tyler Kite and Jill Harris and, mm-hmm. and them, um, Lydia Prasad, like they all, they all work together so well. And I always, I kind of like looked up to them Mm -hmm. in that way. And I, I, I'm like, I want to be that type of performer. I want to be the person that like, you know, someone says like, we're making something, what can you add to it? So I I feel like that's kind of my mind every single time
2: when I make something, I'm like, okay, who else can, can make this better? Right. And I, I would say that you like, you definitely channel that vibe with with the fog and laser stuff. Being obviously a part of the, the performance side of it, um, it is absolutely that. Like what's so incredible, and people in the band comment on this too, is just like you know, it's sort of it's sort of just the the floor is open. There is room for people to say, "Oh, I was thinking about maybe playing something like this," and then everyone else just goes, "Yeah, great, that's awesome." It's not like people are trying to really control it and saying, "No, no, no." it's not like that like if you listen to the record it has to be identical to oh, that no I it's, I, it's no. the opposite of that and there's a reason why you're playing it live it's like yeah here it's a
1: chance to make it sound different or mm. make it sound uh or or create something on the spot um yeah one a, a cool moment actually was uh rich Knox uh who uh drummer drummer rich amazing drummer rich yeah. Knox who's the drummer for Danko Jones and he he drums for Dwayne every now and then. Uh he had a really I made uh I made a song called Give Me The Wi-Fi with him. Right. And that came out of nowhere. That was like literally that was one of those things where Rich had said, "Come over what are you doing? Come over to my place and let's just riff for mm-hmm. a little right. bit." Mm-hmm. And I uh I was in such a I'm not the most if anything I'm not the most like I'm not always inspired, right? so it really is one of those things where if I'm not inspired, I'll just sit there and be like, yeah, nothing's really coming to me. Like mm-hmm. maybe in a couple of days, I'll take it home and listen mm-hmm. to it. But that moment I walked into his apartment, I think I had just, I don't know, I, at the time I think I had just smoked a joint or something and I just walked into the room and sat down and Rich was like, yeah, I just you know came up with this beat or whatever. He played it, I asked for a piece of paper, And I wrote down all the lyrics right away. Wow! Wow! Uh, And we recorded it, and that was it. And
2: I swear, it was in the span of like twenty minutes. That's incredible. So, the fact that you're able to just capitalize on that in the moment is just so amazing. It was it was the coolest,
1: one of the coolest things ever, or just one of those moments where you're like, okay, we just made this thing. Don't touch it. It's great. Right. You know. It's it's fine and you know it was so dumb it was just this like stupid little track and then you know people that were listening to it were like no that's one of the best ones on the on the hmm, album right. mm-hmm. and we were kind of sitting there being like okay but rich is is very very much this amazing performer where we also did the i did this other song uh uh which you played guitar on uh when we did it live i know it exists that mm. song which i it's one of my favorite songs because that was yeah. one of those songs that came out of nowhere. Right. It honestly came out of, uh, it, yeah, it came out of, um, uh, another comedian who, who is musical as well. Al Val. Uh, she sent me, um, she sent me a random guitar track. Right. That was off of her iPhone. Right. Sa- basically saying like, what do you think about this? And I took that guitar track, it sounded like shit, but I made it into a sample and I found the the beat. And I t- literally took a chunk out of it, put that in, and I recorded my vocals on top of that. And then I gave it to um, uh, Ferd from the right. Um I gave it to him, he put on some guitar And then uh, we were like, okay, well, what else are we going to do with it? I gave it to Rennick. He kind of put it, structured it together. Right. And then all of a sudden I had this song and I showed it to Rich. And Rich said, "Uh, give me like a day. Give me like two days. And I said, okay. And one morning I woke up and Rich was like, hey, last night I went into the studio and recorded a couple of drum tracks to this song. And it was a Ba- like just this banging <laughs> rock track. Right? I was like, I don't care in 10 years if I hear this. I will be like, this is still a sick, right. sick track. Yeah. Right. Anyway, it was just moments like that where I was like, everybody added something to it. It was just this thing where, you know, and and also nobody ever met in person. Everybody right. was like, I'll add to oh, it. that's interesting. Oh, maybe I'll add something here. Maybe yeah. I'll add a little bit here. And they would just send, send whatever they did to Renick who pieces everything together. Right. But with that, it's like that. That's what I'm saying is this. This idea of I just love the I love the idea of giving everyone
0: a chance to say something or like record something. Right. Um, and and no matter how big or small it is, too. Like even if it's just like that little guitar line that you had mentioned, and that leads right. into this massive piece where now you're collaborating with other people, right? I think um, I owe it all to
1: Al Val because hmm. she would she would be playing stuff just randomly and recording it on her iPhone and then just sending it over. Mm. I mean, we did another song too called a uh, super secret, a uh, super secret orgy. Right. Um, and that, that happened the same way right. where I, I mean, I don't know what it is. I just love the, the idea of mm. taking something that could be absolutely nothing, but, and I'm, and it's, it doesn't happen every single time. Like I said, sometimes I'm sitting there going, like, I got nothing. Right. But I would say, uh, it happens one out of every ten tries where we actually do come up with something. So, I, I mean, it's just a matter. I think that's where it comes from. Is my, uh, my comedy background where you go and you just try stuff out right and sometimes you're just gonna bomb in front of people like i mean i chat about it with other comics all the time and you're like how did your set go last night and they'll be like oh i bombed like Mm -hmm. right and like i i'm pretty sure the last two shows i did i bombed really hard but there was
2: probably like one little tiny joke that went well and i'll be like i'll do that joke again Mm -hmm. right um so but that's, yeah. like the, that's like the equivalent of you getting that sort of voice memo guitar track where you're like, well, maybe maybe the majority of the stuff you hear isn't stuff that you could see uh, working in a song, but you get that little, little oh, bit. out of three then, minutes. Yeah. Right. Out of three minutes of stuff, I'll hear probably
1: a good seven, six second little riff mm, and I'll go, right. that's what the song is going to be. That's right. what the main riff in the song is going to be. And then we go from there. And I usually add... A lot of vocal, I add the vocal stuff. Right. Um, but with that, I find that helps structure the song. Mm. And then everybody just kind of adds on top of there. Um, and for me, that's kind of the way writing songs has been now with right. being able to just easily plop it into the session
0: and then send that. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that, too, because sometimes, yeah, w- when it comes to creativity, it just flows out of you, right? And you like you said, with the Wi-Fi track, we're able to just go in and literally write the song front to back in the moment. But for the most part, like there is a bit of a struggle to like really piece something together. And like you said, you know, um, maybe one out of every 10 songs comes that easy. The other 10 is like a bit more of a of a chore, Um So like, do you find sometimes when you're when you're collaborating, when you're writing or whatever, like you do kind of go through that struggle a bit when when you're trying to put something down or trying to like meet a deadline or get something out or?
1: There has been a couple of times uh, during the first album of Fog and Lasers, there was a couple of times where we had nothing. Uh, Hunter Collins came in um, another really hilarious comic, and he's also a drummer and he came in, and uh, there was a in the studio space that we had at the time, Gavin Gavin's uh, studio space. Uh, there was a drum set up, and you you were there, yeah. It was that like that basement sort of thing. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. Place. yeah. Um,
2: well, that's where we did the Venom track, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, which yeah.
1: was actually uh, the in the same realm of how we did it was because. Uh, Hunter came and then we all sat down and we were all kind of talking about stuff and then we had nobody had any ideas and then it was kind of like do you guys just want to go in the studio and press record and just jam for a happens. bit and see right. if anything comes out and that's how we came up with I think it's the last song on the album called Tito and it's just us jamming and i was like oh it's kind of like a punk song sort of thing and i i don't know i just thought it in a way it was just this like really chaotic little song that um my girlfriend Gwen, uh another comic who's she's hilarious but sometimes she questions my <laughs> she questions my work um but, which is good to have it's good to have that right. person in your life For but sure. she'll be like what is what is this she'll be like what is this and I'll be like I it is and I'll always respond with it's just it is what it is yeah. you know right like it's its we own may, thing now we, yeah. it's its own it, it yeah. that's you know whatever yeah. it means to you which I do believe I I, I hate explaining songs mm. right or I hate explaining things so I'm always just like whatever it means to you go nuts and uh, that's that's what it means but right. sometimes obviously there is an explanation or a story behind it but I don't need to give it to anybody. I don't know anybody an explanation. Right, for sure. Um, But we made we made that track like that, and also I'm pretty sure Venom was kind of like that. I think the main riff was just from that riff. Oh, that's
2: the Rod riff. Yeah, the (laughs)
1: only riff I knew for like the longest time, and I'd be like, "This is going to be a song one day." And then one day I was like, "It's going to be the Venom song."
2: That's amazing. And you know what's actually what? What I just thought about with that riff was. Mm -hmm you know, many moons ago when we were at Comedy Bar and you hosted uh, Sunday Night Live with the Sketchersons, And so and I was in, I was playing in the house band and uh, we would play we would play songs in between through the transitions uh, between sketches. And one night I was like, hey, guys, check out this riff. And we played we played oh, the no Rod way. Riff. It was cool. before Venom, too. That's and it cool. was like because obviously like Rod and I have known each other forever and like played in bands for so many years. So it's like, oh, I've heard the Rod Riff. Big time, and uh, that's great. And the classic Rod drumbeat too, which is in uh, I forget what track- Jar Hands Man. Jar Hands Man, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, so we were preparing for the show. That's hilarious. And listening to it, and it just struck me where I'm like, wait a second, I'm like, that's the Rod drumbeat, you know, mm. which is amazing. Um, yeah, but- Jar, Jar Hands Man. The way I
1: recorded that one was Gwynn bought me a drum machine. Oh, cool. Uh, and that was the first, and I figured out how to record uh onto my computer so i was like oh okay this is great first drum beat i played was that one and i recorded that right and i had it in like my folder of like beats literally the only beat i had <laughs> and then i riffed on it for a bit and then uh came up with jar hands man and then i slid it in on top of that beat
2: and it just worked out But it's just funny how like, you know, it. that's that's amazing. But what's great, too, though, is this like very much in line with your creative process, because it's like even that drum beat, you you hooked up the drum machine, you figured it out and then you go, oh, and you just did a beat and you're like, yep, that's cool. And then there there shows up later in an actual song, you know, yeah, I just I, I I now at least now I kind of feel that.
1: Cause I, I didn't used to be like this where I if if I had an idea I never was like I'll will shelve that or I'll save it for a, right. for a rainy day or okay. something now I'm like any idea I'm like oh that could be something in four years right you know like
2: I have no idea that's <laughs> cool though that's that's really cool so this is something also I'm curious to know we touched touched upon it earlier but um with with your material you do such a good job of of creating different songs in different genres so obviously we've heard the creative process is one that's sort of inspiration that strikes um in the weirdest ways just kidding (laughs) (laughs) that was a little reference to make up with a relative but uh and um anyway so you know inspiration strikes you just kind of you you're able to capitalize on that moment and then it turns out into in into this full song but you do such a good job of creating different songs so and and working within different genres and stuff like that. So would you say that that is that a conscious choice or is that more so a reflection of like the different folks that you work with? It is. Okay. It's,
1: it's the different folks. Like, uh, which is something that you we really do think about. Like, right. I, one person is Tyler Kite, who is the lead. Yeah. One of the lead singers in Dwayne. Incredible Kretzky. singer. Incredible and singer. And just an amazing person incredible, too. Incredible. Like I would say. If I ever had, if I ever, I mean, I've done my, my albums, like Fog and Lasers albums, um, Fog and Lasers albums, but I would say that he's, he's definitely the type of guy that you would want producing your album. Mm. He's a very good arranger. He's a very good, he's got a great ear for what sounds good. Like he, he basically made Grammy, the, um, the Grammy song and uh that all came from him just playing the piano right and being like let's make i want something with a big chorus and we just sat there and like went through different lyrics but he he was the the brains behind that song but it come uh the genre thing the the genre thing comes from probably i mean it sounds so hippie, but it's like <laughs> someone's vibe you right. know mm-hmm. when they come into a room you're like automatically like I did a I did a I did this like uh I don't know, I guess I wanna say like 1940s, nineteen forties, nineteen I guess a nineteen forties, nineteen fifties type of song with uh with Jill and Meg, right. Contini and Jill Harris. And they have this like Andrew Sisters sort of vibe. And uh, when I think of the Andrew Sisters, I think of... Like, you used to play this Les Paul CD. Oh, yeah. Um, And I think of, like, what is it? Man on the Moon or Man... How High the Moon. How High the Moon. Yeah. And I remember that song. Yeah. So with that track, Into That World, I tried to get into, like, an Andrew Sisters thing with them. And for some reason, we just started riffing. I wrote out some lyrics. Um. And the song was about an obsessive fan for Yermer Jagger. <laughs> but yeah, that I incredible. met up with them before we recorded it. I met up with them at a cafe and they grabbed the lyrics and they would be like, okay, well, like maybe we can cut this out. This doesn't really, this won't fit here, but like, let's do right. this. And we just all kind of gelled together and they made it sound unreal. Yeah, Like they made it sound so, so good. Um, but it was just out of like, you know, hearing what they do. And I was like, okay, maybe we can do something like that. I'll I will i I don't know. It's it's like from what we were saying in the beginning of just um it really is just like an open room. Mm, yeah. Like whatever you whatever you wanna add, we there was a night where we were finishing up the Grammy song and Lydia Prasad came in to hang out in the studio to listen to the song. Right. And then all of a sudden it was like, Hey Lydia, can you add some like big belting vocals? Oh at the yeah. End? And she right. came in and she just ripped it. She was like, sure. And wow. then she just fucking went nuts at the end. Right. Um, that's so cool. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. So it, it, it really is just this, um, I think that's the spirit of Fog and Lasers and my, at least my creative realm where you just kind of say, uh, anyone's welcome, whatever you kind of want to bring, it's okay not to have an idea. Mm -hmm. Like
2: I don't, you know, I'm never going to be like, bring, you have to bring an idea. Okay. And we're going to stop things right there. So that's going to mark the end of episode number one, but stay tuned folks for episode number two, where we're going to learn a little bit more about Rodrigo's process
0: and how he identified himself as a performer thanks everybody for listening that was a blast and uh, feel free to connect with us on any of our socials